You're listening to Nursing Review Radio. RN Maggie Groff has worn many hats throughout her career, including staff nurse, island nurse and industrial nurse. Now she wears another, multi-award winning author. Maggie has penned a new book called Not Your Average Nurse, which explores the true story of her career spanning 1970s London to outback Australia. Maggie joins me now. Welcome. Thank you, Dallas. Good to be here. Towards the beginning of the book, you said you never wanted to or even thought about being a nurse. Rather, as long as you could remember, you always wanted to be a writer. So what changed? Well, you know, back then, late 60s, nursing um, was considered a good opportunity for women, but I didn't want to do it. What I wanted to be was a writer, but that was definitely considered unsuitable for a young woman. There was no chance of success, really. Um, no chance of financial security and I suppose the big thing was it was a solitary job and therefore little chance of meeting a husband. You know, it was it was very confusing for young educated women. On one hand, we were being told we could be pilots and government ministers and on the other hand, we had to suppress years of ingrained social conditioning that marriage, children and cleaning a house was our destiny. My parents Um, actually wanted me to go to university Uh, but uh, I was halfway through A-levels which you study in the last two years of high school in England Um, and I realised that school was interfering with my education and what I really needed to do was move to London Um, and I was trying to work out how to achieve that when I had this most monstrous nosebleed and my mother called the lady who lived next door whose name was Jill who happened to have trained as a nurse at King's College Hospital in London And she stopped my nosebleed and told us these marvellous stories about nursing at King's. Well, the seed was sown and I'd found my way to get to London. And then the book explores your time as a student nurse in King's College Hospital and your earlier years in London. What parts of that period of your career were you excited to explore on the page? Well, you know, that's a really interesting question because... um, As I was writing, I realized how I changed and how I was growing up during my training. That was was a real revelation to me, and I suspect it had been at the time to my parents too. Um, I'd been a very selfish and opinionated girl when I started nursing, and I suppose it's an understatement to say that that first year of my training was very difficult. Um, But as I relived those days on paper, I saw that Kings had drummed into me humility and humanity, which I think still are the two essential ingredients to make a decent nurse, perhaps a doctor too, I think. Um, And without me even being aware of it at the time, I'd matured and started to think about other people um, before myself. Um, It was probably halfway through the second year of my training that I realized I really loved nursing and, and that nursing was finally loving me back. And, you know, when I was writing, I got quite a kick out of seeing that play out on the page. Not long after you graduated, you you gained a position as an industrial nurse at Selfridges. What did your day-to-day role there entail, and what was it like working for such an institution? Well, it was great. I mean, one word, it was just great. And for those of you who don't know, Selfridges is a glamorous, high-end, neoclassical, I suppose, department store in central London. And um, 
for me, Selfridges was a lifesaver. Just before my final nursing exams, my family had experienced a terrible tragedy. And when I started work at Selfridges, I was still very raw with grief. I still have no idea how I passed my finals, but I did. Um, and when I started at Selfridges, I was nervous. I'd been qualified less than a year. But they were so welcoming, and it was such a terrific place to work. Um, day to day, we had a first aid centre. And at any point, in which was on the top floor of the store, but at any point in... Um, the, the day, really, I suppose, there could be thousands of people in the store. There were several thousand employees alone on top of the customers. And we had a first aid centre that had um, three nurses full-time on duty every day, a doctor, two dentists, a dental nurse, um, and a podiatrist. And the other staff um, in the centre looked after only staff, but we nurses looked after everybody, the customers and the staff as well. Um, and day to day, we, we responded to emergencies in the store, any small accidents or big accidents. Um, we treated minor staff ailments. We carried out treatments prescribed by the doctor. We completed accident forms. We monitored staff absences. We assisted with rehab if people were injured and returning to work. Uh, we did pre-employment medicals. We assessed a person's suitability to remain at work. Um, and there were also out-of-the-ordinary incidents that happened at Selfridges. Um, things like foreigners with pre-existing medical conditions would feign collapse in the store in the hope of receiving free National Health Service treatment. Oh. Um, and there were also shoplifters who feigned heart attacks when they were caught by security. Um, and that was always a sticky one. Um, and back then, of course, there was the constant threat of IRA bombs, um, which, of course, did eventuate that Christmas of 1974. And, you know, if it hadn't been for that bomb, I'd probably still be at Selfridges because I loved it. What was it like on the day that the bomb went off? Well, I just finished work. I was um, I waited at the bus stop outside. It was late night shopping. It was 19th of December before Christmas, and um, I was on the bus on the way home when the bomb went off. It was in the bomb outside in a car, massive car bomb outside Selfridges on Oxford Street, and uh, I heard about it as soon as I got home because, of course, everyone was phoning to make sure I was safe and I'd got home. And I can remember my blood actually ran cold because. Where I'd been at the bus stop was where the bomb had gone off not long before. And it really shakes you up because we'd had several months of bomb scares, checking for them, um, and we knew the protocols off by heart. I mean, it was really ingrained in all of us. And um, it, it made me reconsider my, <laughs> my work at Selfridges. But, of course, being a young woman, I had to stay until the January sales were over before I left, but, uh, but it did scare me enough to make me leave. It was at Selfridges that you, you met an Australian who you've called Bambi in the book, who, who talked about her homeland with pride, and that trend continued with some other Australians you met in the years following. And so you, you eventually packed your bags and came to Sydney. You say in the book that you had anticipated that Australian hospitals would be ahead of Europe in their treatment of nurses, but this wasn't the case. How did Sydney in 1977 compare to what you had experienced back in Europe? 
Okay, big question, but a good one. And and by the way, Bambi is her real name. She oh. trained at the <laughs> yeah, she trained at the Alfred in Melbourne, um, and remains one of my dearest friends. And and you know that's a wonderful legacy of a nursing career is the fabulous lifelong friends. Um, but back to the the nursing part of the question. In the UK and Switzerland, I'd worked with Aussie nurses and they were fantastic. They were well-trained, they worked hard and they were really open and friendly. And they were exactly the same when I started work at a major hospital in Sydney. They were great. But um, whereas the UK salaries had improved and the conditions and the Swiss salary and conditions had been really great, I was surprised that the Australian conditions were quite bad. Um, there, there appeared to me to be a desperate shortage of nurses in the hospital where I was working. And there was a little consideration for some conditions that were unworkable and could have been changed. For, for example, the late duty was you started at 2.30 in the afternoon and you finished at 11 o'clock at night. Now, if you're on an early duty the next morning, which I was, um, you start at 7. Now, that left very little time to actually travel to and from work, to eat and to sleep. Um, but the big thing for me was that there was absolutely no public transport from the hospital, which was in the centre of the most populated city in Australia. Mm. There was nothing and no way for me to get home to Mosman, which wasn't that far away, um, unless I took a taxi. Now, the pay was also abysmal. Um, and I couldn't afford to do taxis after a late duty. So I only lasted two weeks, sadly, um, and I resigned. But um, after I left, I discovered that I walked into a war zone, really, and that nurses in New South Wales in 1977, when it was, um, were marching, picketing, and already demanding better paying conditions. And they did so for quite a few years. So... I do wish I'd known that before I started because the experience was really crushing. Um, it, it left me feeling quite bereft, actually, uh, that I'd been such a failure of my first um, job opportunity in Australia. You eventually decide that if you're going to work as a nurse in Australia, it would have to be outside of the hospital system. And you end up being offered a position with Sydney Opera House. Uh, what were some of the patients or problems you saw there and how did that job compare to working in an Australian hospital? Okay, um, look, I really only worked in a Sydney hospital for two weeks. It wasn't exactly a brilliant career, so I can't possibly give you an honest comparison on that, but I did work at Sydney Opera House um, as a casual RN for nine years, and I, it was great. I loved it. The staff were terrific. Um, and I've always loved theatre and opera, um, so the job was a real gift to me, and it meant I could um, work in the arts without actually ever having to go on the stage, which was, was terrific for me. Um, and the job was really interesting. We were responsible for the health and safety of staff, and performers and patrons, and we responded to emergency calls throughout the building and the grounds, and we provided a clinical service in the first aid room, which is um, within the building. Uh, the daily workload um, could be anything, really, um, anything you can think of that a human being might do or happen have happened to them. Um, it could be something as simple as a heat pack for a conductor's sore neck or just doing regular BP blood pressure checks uh, for a performer who was worried about their blood pressure. 
um, treating the swelling on a trumpeter's sore lips or a dancer who's sprained an ankle or a tourist tripping over on the stairs, someone having a heart attack during an opera, um, a cyclist falling off his bike on the concourse. It, it was... Um, it was quite varied, actually. And then there were the usual colds and headaches and, and other health problems that people get. Um, there was also a really unexpected incident, which I detail in the book, that happened with a stingray. Um, so there were things that you never would have expected could have happened, um, but I do talk about them in the book. Uh, we also did daily rounds um, of the building, which I absolutely loved, um, walking around that glorious building. Uh, and that was to identify any potential hazards and to assess staff who may be returned to work after being ill. And we also monitored emergency medical equipment that was hidden in and covered throughout the building. Um, so it was quite a, a comprehensive job, and it was it was a great job. I loved it. You mentioned earlier that you felt like you failed in your first job in a, in Australia. Did did this sort of turn things around in terms of your mindset of working as a nurse in Australia? Uh, yes, it did. I, I mean, nursing on the island, there were so many, yes, it definitely did. You're absolutely right. It gave me huge confidence because I knew what I was doing. Um, I don't think when I left King's in 73 that I really realised how... Um, all-inclusive my training had been. I, I was actually prepared for anything. When I'd finished that training, I could run a ward, uh, which I think was probably the difference between um, training the hospital, the old hospital-trained nurses and the university-trained nurses. I think they probably um, take a while to get up to speed having the responsibility of a ward, whereas... Back then, because we trained in the hospital and for much of our third year had been in charge of wards at times, we, we had a confidence and we knew what we were doing. And I, I think that first experience um, in Sydney, that two-week uh, career there, it did shatter my confidence a bit, but um, the Opera House definitely brought it back. You mentioned in the book that there were times that you questioned whether you wanted to continue nursing. Uh, what, what do you think kept pulling you back towards the profession throughout the, the many environments in which you worked? Well, you know, I've always had a thirst for learning ever, ever since I was young. And um, I'd been nursing in Switzerland for about 18 months uh, when this first happened to me that I, I felt unsure that I actually wanted to carry on nursing. Um, and I, it was actually my father who said to me, I think you need to be a little more challenged. I transferred from a neurosurgical intensive care unit um, at a hospital on Lake Geneva to a small rehab hospital in the Swiss Alps that um, specialised in recovery from accidents, ski accidents, and things like that. But after about a year, I was becoming bored. Um, I wasn't really learning anything new. So um, I resigned, got in my car and went down to Italy with a friend, hoping I'd, um, you know, some fresh air and wine and sunshine would uh, help me figure out my future. But it, but it didn't. And three months later, I arrived back broke in England. And um, I fortunately secured a, an agency job as night duty in a convent in the um, high country woodlands on the Hampshire-Surrey border. And it was a convent that um, was run by nuns and 
all of the patients within the convent were aged, frail nuns who were living out their final days um, in the convent. And they needed an RN to, to do medications. And so I was employed. And it taught me, um, because the nuns I was working with did everything. They, they, they did everything. They were the cooks, the, you know, the gardeners, the, the carers. It made me realize that the basic tenet of my profession, nursing, um, was caring for people. And that was the bit that I actually really wanted to keep, the ability to care for people. And I we did realize, um, working with those nuns, that um, there were many disciplines of nursing. And this was just one of them. And I probably only needed to change the discipline with it within which I worked. I didn't actually need to change my profession. Um, nursing had opened up phenomenally. There were many new areas, new technologies, changes in medical treatment, um, more avenues for nurses to actually um, train as educators themselves. And um, so each time I found myself in a different field, of nursing and I was becoming stale in that field, I moved on. I took more courses and applied for different jobs. And I think that's how I managed to have such a varied and unusual career. Well, I'm sure it is actually. You now work as a full-time author. How do you reflect on your time as a nurse? Do you ever miss it? Well, I suppose I reflected a lot when I was writing Not Your Average (laughs) Nurse. (laughs) That took me... um, Three years, I think, from go to woe. Um, I've been writing professionally for about 20 years now, and I've been relatively successful. Um, Not Your Average Nurse is my seventh published book, and I love the craft of writing and the ability to sit in front of an empty page and turn it into something that gives other people pleasure. Um, that's a real plus that keeps me in my chair. And I, I think probably you, Dallas, as a journo, probably can appreciate where I'm coming from with I that. Can. Yeah, but but I do miss nursing. But do I miss nursing? You know, mm, no. I have, think I shall have to say no. I had an unbelievable career and the privilege to work at some of the world's most iconic places: the Savoy, the Selfridges, a convent in rural England, a university on Lake Geneva, a hospital in the Swiss Alps, an island in the Great Barrier Reef in the Aussie bush and Sydney Opera House. Um, and nursing did all that for me, and I look back on it with the, the fondest memories. So while I don't actually miss nursing, I have to say I would do it all again in a heartbeat. Thank you for sharing your story with us, Maggie. Thank you for inviting me, Dallas. It's been great. <laughs>